This isn't a fucking conspiracy. This is real life, and people are fucking dying. YouTube, all the major podcasters, and Odyssey and Rumble as well. Today, my guest is Austin Picard. We're continuing our series on the Finders Cult. I do want to remind you guys how this works. Uh, how this usually works is I will stream this for my patrons, and roughly about a week or so, depending on my schedule, uh, later this will go out to the public. So if you want to get that early content, if you want to support my what I'm doing, uh, patreon.com just no way jose 2020 so like i said the lowest level is two bucks the highest level is my sponsors i'll read them off every episode my sponsors are my co-host on tower gang toad you can follow him at tower gang toad i also have at abrogate d's then kevin b clark a full-time guitarist and private music teacher in the new york area then at Z-O-V-E-R-A-C-K, then at underscore infinite zeal, then Jacob Daniel of the Biblical Anarchy podcast. You follow him at Biblical Anarchy. Then Tim Tuttle, who's actually the one who made that edit you just watched, at Jonathan Klebold. I actually have him coming on, uh, I think, next week, and we're continuing our series that I can't even mention the name of on YouTube. Uh, so definitely follow me on Rumble. Then I also have at Stinky Sock. 420. He's a singer of Bender, hardcore, dope music. Go check it out. I do want to make an appeal real quick to you guys. Uh, I mean, obviously, if you don't want to, that's fine. But I do want to say with the with the supporting stuff, I do think I want to in the future. I mean, I know if you, a lot of you guys may have just seen that article that came out, uh, the Yiki and then the interview I did. I also have some other big stuff coming, but I think in the future I might like to try to maybe manifest in one way or another, whether I do it or get other people to do it, uh, maybe make some sort of documentary or something along those lines. So if that's something interesting, I would need to be in a situation where I could support that. I'm not saying I need a ton of money or anything, uh, but, you know, just if you want to guys want to help out, you know, you get what you put in kind of deal. I'd like to be able to do that, but at the end of the day, I do need to support my family, so... I can't just be jet sent all over the place and video and stuff. So if that's something you want to do, uh, you, know, so, you know, I recommend you know possibly chipping in. But if not, you know that's fine. I get it. P things are tight. You know, whatever. That's I'm not trying to beg. I'm just saying if that's what you guys want, that's what you need to do. Or just share it around, clip stuff around, tell people the show. That helps too. Uh, but 
uh, let's go ahead and get my buddy in here. Oh, I did want to say one more thing. When I said I have something big coming up, I'm not going to announce it specifically. But if you are a Patreon, I did put a nice little, like, Merry Christmas note uh, note to all of you guys there, the patrons. And you do know more here. But I'm, I'll be a little bit more vague since it's going public. And I don't have a specific date yet. But I have uh, related specifically to the Yiki thing. Uh, I do have something huge coming soon. And to give a little bit of hint, it won't be on my platform. It will be on a much, 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 much larger platform. Uh, and it will be specifically about the Yiki story. So just letting you know, uh, probably announcement coming soon once I get a specific date hammered down for that. Uh, and I'll probably give you more details then. But just letting you guys know what's coming up, uh, give you a little taste to come, and hopefully maybe bigger and better things in the future. But that, let's get Austin in here and let's get into it. What's up, bud? How you doing? Good man, how are you doing? Good. Thanks Good. for having me back, brother. Oh, dude, it's 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 dope. I mean, uh, I'm sorry for my patrons who expected to pop in for the live stream, but we shot the shit for probably like a half hour on <laughs> unintentionally before. But that's a sign of a uh, of a good of a good conversation to come. Uh, those are just some of my best podcasts. But uh, so, but little apology to the patrons. Uh, maybe give me a little bit of fifteen to thirty minute wiggle room, pretty much whenever I'm starting. Especially if I have Austin the show, which I'll definitely <laughs> have you on again in the future. Uh, but uh, you want to remind people who you are, real quick, on the off chance they decide to jump into the middle of a series, so they know who you are. Sounds good. <clears throat> I do a podcast called the Underclass Podcast. Um, just basically, you know. Uh, doing my best to fight against government oppression and tyranny, <laughs> at least to uh, provide alternative narratives and and um, hopefully uh, get to the bottom of these absurd lies that were you know intended to believe. So that's my primary objective. Uh, I don't I don't uh, tend to try and you know, think for other people. And I, I always want others to go and do the research on their own. I'm just trying to be a jumping off point and kind of repurpose all the, the information that I've acquired that has convinced me otherwise, you know, and um, so that's my goal. <laughs> well, so right, the man. underclass podcast, oh, though, oh, go ahead. you can find, yeah, you can find that basically anywhere except YouTube. So Awesome. Uh, you're on Rumble now. You're you got a video. Uh, no, I need to get a video platform set okay, up. That's okay. yeah. I'm still a strictly audio for right now, gotcha. but um, I do. You know, I hope to uh, to implement some video platform in the future. So, awesome. Uh, well, let's get into it. We were talking about the Finders Cult. Uh, it's a spooky, uh, spooky cult that glows that likes to diddle kids. Uh, <laughs> let's get into it. Last episode. An alternative lifestyle community, Jose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same thing. <laughs> yeah. But uh, last episode, we kind of shot the shit for about 40 minutes that, that actually got to the substance of it. But once again, another sign of a good conversation. Uh, but uh, we last we left off that we had just, I believe, they had uh, there was they found the kids in the park uh, with the two, uh, I believe, foreigners. Uh, someone called it in, and I think that's kind of right where we left off, right in the point where we're about to get into warrants. We're about to start digging into the uh, the areas that these people are at. So I'll pass it off to you, and we'll we'll get into it. All right. So I thought that um, briefly, just 
like I'm um, as a jumping off point to kind of get us back into where we left off. I thought I could at least briefly like provide a reinforcing example of of a more modern example of international child trafficking. And it seems to be, you know, implicate the highest levels of government. And um, so I thought we should at least start with the brief story of Laura Silsby, because I try to I try and rehash this as often as possible, because for me, this really just, you know, it helped, like I said, reinforce the narrative that this is actually happening, you know, at the highest levels of our government. So it it's an absurd story, but it starts when in May of 2009, when former President Bill Clinton was named the UN Special Envoy to Haiti, right? And Haiti comes up quite often as far as, uh, you know, in these circles of, of trafficking uh, specifically children, but it seems to be that anytime there's a real uh, crisis of any kind, uh, especially you know, um, some type of high impact event like what happened in Haiti, uh, there seemed to go. And I understand how naturally, you know, the fallout, many people would be missing, but <laughs> many people are never found. It, it, so it's very unusual is all I'm saying. And it seems to it seems to continually pop up over and over again where this is the case. And so basically, when he was assigned as the UN Special Envoy to Haiti, uh, he was given the task of coordinating the efforts of the disparate aid initiatives during the humanitarian response to the devastating effects of the 2010 Haiti earthquake. And so in March 28, 2017, there was uh, Zero Hedge published an article, right? And it, it had a title, The Clinton Silsby Trafficking Scandal and the Media Cover-Up, The True Origin of Pizzagate. And I found it interesting because they basically used, like, I I forgot the headline exactly, but there was a headline that mentioned the finders and pretty much said that the finders and the Franklin scandal were the origins of the QAnon Pizzagate conspiracy. And just that alone of, of trying to conflate those, um, you know, and dismiss them, uh, I think you know, we should be taken aback and we should really reconsider because that's that's just the of all a part of the cover up, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And so what this article described, though, was the Clinton Silsby trafficking scandal and basically that the not so shocking discovery that Hillary and Bill Clinton provided assistance to convicted child trafficker Laura Silsby, now known as Laura Gaylor. And this resulted in a reduced sentence for child trafficking. So Silsby was arrested at the Haitian border, attempting to smuggle 33 children out of Haiti without documentation. Her sentence and charges were reduced after an intervention by Bill Clinton. In the aftermath of Silsby's arrest, her originally retained lawyer, Jorge Puelo, he was arrested in connection with an international smuggling ring accused of trafficking women and minors from Central America and Haiti. And the revelation, the, the revelation of this news in November 2016 was either completely ignored 
right, in the Western media, or it was attacked and dismissed by Clinton-controlled publications. And so Hillary intervened politically on behalf of Laura Silsby, and Laura Silsby is the former director of the New Life Children's Refuge. So emails from her organization can be found in the WikiLeaks Hillary Clinton email archive, and they discussed the NGO before her arrest. And Silsby's organization also appears in Clinton's emails soliciting donations for what they refer to as their ministry. And so the refuge was founded by Silsby and Carissa Coulter, and they were both attendees of the Central Valley Baptist Church in Meridian, Idaho. But Silsby was reported to have a history of bad debts and unpaid wagers, allegedly. And Laura had claimed <clears throat> that she planned to build an orphanage, an orphanage in the Dominican Republic. But a State Department diplomatic cable revealed that authorities in the country said she never submitted an application for this purpose. So instead, Laura Silsby and her New Life Children's Refuge opportunistically relocated to Haiti. And on January 29th, 2010, Silsby was arrested with nine other American nationals attempting to steal 33 children from the country, most of whom were not even orphans and reportedly had families. So even CNN claimed on February 9th, 2010, that this was not the first time Silsby had attempted to traffic children out of Haiti. <laughs> Haitian police, acting on a tip, had intercepted Silsby in an earlier separate attempt to remove 40 children out of the country. She was turned back at the Haitian border. So for a brief period, Haitian authorities were apparently even considering adding new kidnapping charge based on that evidence. And so Hillary and Bill Clinton took an extraordinary interest from day one in Silsby's case and almost immediately seemed to step in. And so the Harvard Human Rights Journal stated that one of Bill Clinton's first acts as special envoy for the United Nations in Haiti was to put out the fire of a child abduction scandal involving American citizens. And on February 7, 2010, the Sunday Times reported that Bill Clinton had intervened to strike a deal with the Haitian government, securing the release of all co-conspirators except for Silsby. Prosecutors ultimately sought a six-month sentence in Silsby's case, reducing charges for conspiracy and child abduction to mere arranging irregular travel. Uh, clearly a light sentence, right? <laughs> a light penalty given under the circumstances of the arrest which would likely not have been possible, you know, if not for the intervention of the Clinton, the Clintons in Silsby's case. And so to finish this story of Laura Silsby, uh, on February 9th, 2010, Hillary Clinton consulted with counselor Cheryl Mills and other attorneys in an email discussing the U.S. government's options regarding the arrested Americans. The heavily redacted memo attached to that email does not reveal what these options consisted of. However, the State Department's American Citizen Services is only authorized to offer lists of local English-speaking attorneys to Americans arrested or detained abroad. And to go beyond that authorization is apparently a severe violation of protocol and is technically illegal. And in additional emails, 
it was revealed that the State Department was concerned with making statements on the Silsby scandal and had been preparing to assist Silsby's co-conspirators with their return to the U.S., although this is consistent with State Department protocol in these situations. So Silsby's lawyer, though, that I mentioned earlier, Jorge Puelo, uh, he and his wife were both subsequently arrested for involvement in human trafficking of minors and women. And on February 11th, even the New York Times reported that Silsby's original lawyer, Puelo, was suspected of leading an international human trafficking ring involving women and minors. The Harvard Human Rights Journal claimed that Puelo was ultimately arrested in an investigation being led by U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement and Homeland Security investigations in connection with the ring. He was wanted in the U.S., El Salvador, and Costa Rica for his involvement with a network trafficking Central Americans and Haitians. At the time of his arrest, his wife was already imprisoned in El Salvador and faced charges of presumed sexual exploitation of minors and women. Puelo was ultimately sentenced to three years in federal prison for alien smuggling, another surprisingly light sentence given the original charges he was sought for. So since her release from detention in Haiti, Laura Silsby returned to Idaho, and in 2015, she married and took the last name Gaylor. Silsby is currently employed by software company AlertSense as their vice president of marketing, and AlertSense works with the federal government on FEMA's integrated public alert and warning system, IPAWS, and one of IPAW's primary functions is to issue Amber Alerts during kidnapping events, right? Well, look at that. <laughs> like that, I just had to to lead off with that because, like I said, it's extraordinary, man. Like when I learned that, it really did help. Like it, it just helped confirm that mm -hmm. this this is really happening. You know, yeah. like. My God, man! You yeah, know, yeah. I, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to point out that uh, that I, I I noticed at the beginning you, you you said that they used to kind of obfuscate and kind of like you know play this down. They kind of evoked uh, the Franklin scandal and this what we're going to be talking about the Finders cult. And mm -hmm. I found that kind of funny, especially specifically with the Franklin scandal, because with the Franklin scandal, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. I believe it was what the Speaker of the House, I think. Uh, that was Dennis Hastert. Yeah. yeah. So who's essentially, you know, busted fucking kids. Uh, Good buddies with was... John Podesta, by the way. No way. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yes, with uh, with that. But then it gets a little bit more outlandish in some of the narrative. And there may be truth just because it's outlandish doesn't mean it's not true. I know it gets into like whether Larry King was involved and all sorts of craziness. And so I can see how in the eyes of the public, this would kind of play the same role that like a satanic panic would kind of deal uh, so yep. it would play that same thing where you're like, this is silly. But the problem is it's like there is a grain of truth. And this happens with this, the finder's cult, Pizzagate. There's always like a grain of truth. But then what is, ends up happening is it becomes this bifurcation between where people like me and you, where we say Pizzagate, we say finder's cult, we say um, 
Franklin scandal, we're pointing to, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's, some of us get crazy with it, uh, but we're, we generally try to point to like stuff that's you know, factual, whereas the other side of this, the other side of the bifurcation, points to essentially that those words become a, uh, a, a, a essentially a, the meaning becomes all the other craziness. So you associate this with, oh, some crazy conspiracy that with Larry King we had some cabal of, of, of celebrities fucking kids. And then, you know, with Finders Cults, which, I mean, don't get me wrong, he could have. I don't fucking know. But, uh, you know, then with this, it becomes, I, I don't know, uh, some crazy cult thing. And you're like, it just sounds nuts. Pizza right. Gay, obviously, people, a lot of people got carried away with it. Uh, and well, actually not even, not even totally carried away, but like uh, spirit cooking and then, or all the different coded language and whatever. And it sounds crazy, but once you start looking at the stuff, you're like, Oh, there's truth. And don't get me wrong. A lot of people do get carried away with it and have a little too much fun with playing with the narrative, uh, and get a little fast and loose with facts. Uh, but it's like, these are things that have facts to them. But people didn't, which I guess that kind of gets to, you know, within this research community where a lot of times we, it's, there's almost like there's two camps within, well, not research, within like the conspiracy community where you have, I guess you could almost say the, the, the crazies and the respectables, depending on who you're asking. And, and, and I'm kind of find myself in the middle cause I find value in both. Uh, right. cause I know a lot of people will point to like Alex Jones or, or Tripoli or somebody and they'll point to all the crazy stuff they've said or whatever. And it's like, okay, okay. I mean, no one's gonna be a hundred percent right all the time. And then people will point to like right. Alex Jones and like, I don't know, like, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's one thing if you go around to, to selling a story and somehow we find out, you know, that you did not believe that at all. And you were just saying right. that, but the problem is we, it's kind of hard to know what's in someone's head. And I can tell you firsthand as like a guy who's kind of dabbling in the parapolitics world that like if some asshole really wanted to go and pick around at like every little thing that I've said and be like, oh, well, there you got that one wrong or this was a little right. bit off. Like, I mean, like it's an it's an unreasonable standard. And when you're doing I mean, it's one thing if you're like a researcher who's on one topic and that's your thing. I get right. it. It's good. It makes sense to hold you to a certain standard and be like. You can't be getting that stuff wrong. But it's like, for example, right now, we're talking about the finder's call. I know almost nothing about the finder's call except for, you know, a handful of things I've learned and stuff. So if I ever talk to someone outside of this show about the finder's call, I'm probably going to get a lot wrong. And like, <laughs> to some extent, I mean, don't get me wrong. People should use their language and try to measure what they're saying and try to be yeah. like, you know, present those qualifiers of like, if I remember correctly, or, uh, you know, I, this is what I recall. But like, Let's be real. Like colloquially speaking, it's kind of hard to maintain that shield at all times and, and, and no speak doubt. in a casual sense. Uh, but my point being is, so then they point to, I guess, some of those crazy. So I guess that's where some of the, I guess, quote unquote, respectable or whatever term you want to give them. That's just a term I came to off the top of my head. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Um, they will point to like the Alex Jones or stuff in the times that they've you know, spun some of the crazier narratives and point to that and be like, see, now the 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 mainstream, I guess, respectable and crazy is a bad way to put it. Respectable will make you think like the mainstream media types, but the mainstream media types will point to the crazies and be like, look, they're spinning this narrative. They're saying this about Pizzagate. And that becomes to them synonymous with Pizzagate, synonymous right. with Franklin Scandals, for synonymous with Finder's Cult. Uh, and, but either How way- How they use QAnon now. Yeah, yeah everything QAnon. QAnon. Yeah. 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 Well, even QAnon, like, I don't know, that's a deeper one. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying the Q drops were all legit, 
but there's right. something weird going on there. So. Oh, definitely. Yeah. No, and I mean, I won't get into it, but I, and I, I definitely haven't like dove in and really done a deep dive on on QAnon yet. But I, I would love to at some point. But um, it just felt from day one like a psychological operation to me. You know, Same. that's yeah. all, all I can say on that. You know, for now. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what, what it felt, it felt like. like. Yeah. yeah. Just, no, just no, get no get all the boomers that are concerned about the country all you know stirred up and. You know, and some of the French this. conspiracy theorists who who aren't participating in the system currently, you know, maybe we can motivate them to vote this year. You know, I don't know. It was it was a very interesting. It was very interesting timing. It made it made a lot of fringe groups have a newfound trust in government. It was really weird. You know, it also, really was unusual. It gives you this but, idea of black hats and white hats within the yes. state. Which, don't be wrong. I'm sure there is some truth to the black hat, white hat, right. uh, gray hat, you know, idea when it comes to those above us. Because, you know, they're all not they're all not technically evil. I mean, I guess in a certain Definitely. sense, it's kind of like the the idea when you get a libertarian through people like, are all cops bad? And like, well, I guess you <laughs> can sort of make a, a logical argument in a certain sense that all of them have to. But like if you're being realistic in an individual sense, like. You right. can't write them all off as bad. No. There's some of them we're trying to write. I mean, as is evidence with my pursuance of the the Yiki story. I mean, at the very, <laughs> I mean, don't be wrong. I'm sure at some point he probably uh, did something in the line of duty that I would find to be immoral. But right. like, who I, has? I don't know. I yeah, mean, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So and and that and that usually comes Same along with, with the job being cop. Yeah. We we wouldn't have any evidence, or I mean, in anything to go on if if it weren't for Ramon J. Martinez and and some of the the individuals in the Tallahassee Police Department who just got pissed and and made a made some of this evidence public, you know, because they felt like, you know, the the investigation was being completely compromised, you know, and they were upset. It That seems to be why we have any information and knowledge on this case, to be honest, man. You know, mm -hmm. so there's they're not all bad. <laughs> right. Like that's yeah. never that's never the case. And like you said, we have to always consider the individual, you know, like, man, and I've I, said I it many do, times. My, I, I meant the secondary point I was kind of getting at there and mm -hmm. I, I kind of lost myself in train of thought. And but at the same time, there is something to the larger idea of looking at it from a collective and looking at it, oh, yeah. you know, in the idea of this larger entity, whether that be police or whether that be the deep state or whatever. Right. Yes, there may technically be on an individual level some white hats in there or whatever, <laughs> but let's be real. Understand the incentives of these entities and what they do as a collective no, and, no. and go from there. So this idea of, oh, there's white hats and they're like, they're right. not coming to fucking save you. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. And the, they're the, the minority. Yeah. yeah. The severe <laughs> minority, you know? Yeah. And exactly. so the leadership's always going to protect the shield. And that seems to be the case almost always. Right. And so mm -hmm. the individual, they're hung out to dry, especially yeah. if they're moral, <laughs> usually yeah. in those cases, you know. But yeah, as evidenced by Yiki, as I just mentioned, yeah. dude ended up dead. So exactly, you know what? What does that tell you? Like that, you know, it's kind of like the good cop thing. It's like people, you know, all the ACAB guys say the only good cop's a dead cop, and you're like, well, this one's dead. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. What does that tell you? <laughs> exactly. Like, yes. So. I mean, not saying I believe that, but I'm just saying there's a, there's a, there's a dark irony there. So yeah, yes, but 
All right, let's get into the finder's call. And <laughs> I, think, I think we're at the warrants right now. So we're getting to the yep. point where they can start looking and stuff. And this is where, I mean, I know last episode, it already was kind of like, whoa, you know, they're, they're diddling kids. You're like, okay, it, it gets weirder. Uh, let's it does. get into that. Okay, sounds good. So, yes. So meanwhile, back, back to the finders in Tallahassee, the two men were arrested and charged with multiple counts of child abuse and lodged in the Leon County Jail. Once in custody, the men were evasive and uncooperative. There were even reports, by the way, that uh, Michael J. Hallwell pretended to faint when told he was under arrest for child abuse. And apparently he even fell face down on the ground and refused to stand up before being carried by three law enforcement officers and placed into a patrol vehicle to be taken to the Tallahassee Police Department. So, and also... They, um, I think I note it down here as well, but they, they even had like these, these, um, business cards that had on the back, like basically I have the right, rights remain silent and, uh, it's a little unusual to be that prepared, but in their answers to police regarding the children, they only stated that they both were the children's teachers, that the children w were being weaned from their mothers and that all were en route to Mexico to establish a school for brilliant children. The children... Real quick, I did yeah. want to make a point, because every time I heard you bring up the point in, in your episode about the gifted, it reminds me of, and I can't remember the specifics, but there's been an ongoing conspiracy for a long time that that is a thing. That I mean, don't get me wrong, I don't think these kids were actually going to some gifted school, but right. where the feds do look for gifted people and utilize oh, yeah. them. I don't know. That just, I mean, I don't know if that, I'm sure that probably doesn't connect to this at all. It's, right. it's just weird but, that that no, they was have their talent excuse. spotters. Yeah. Yes. Talent spotters, no doubt. And, and that's, that revealed itself when I did a Barry seal episode and I really dove deep in, in how they utilized him for, you know, the Mena, Arkansas drug trafficking, but it was a lot more than that. He was like 16 years old and he was in David Ferry's civil air patrol unit. The same one with Lee Harvey Oswald. And that kid had apparently been recruited by the local sheriff type of scenario where he had showed these signs of a photographic memory and all of these different characteristics that it seems like, um, you know, can be utilized right in these operations in the future. And so. It makes a lot of sense, right? But, that, I, but obviously it doesn't apply here. I, I, I mean, maybe, <laughs> but, but these kids were like, prepubescent and way like, younger yeah literally so, so, two to six yeah so, so i don't think they were quite at an age where you could really tell they were that <laughs> skilled so and know, they, were, they were said to be talking like like basically be almost animalistic and shit yep. so yeah and um like i did uh i think i mentioned last episode that they found in the van um a, a chinese english dictionary and so i also read somewhere that the only uh, one of the children that were verbal was the oldest child, uh, the which was a young girl. She was six at the time, I believe, and and she had uh, apparently she had the ability to count to ten in Chinese, and I just thought that was interesting because the Chinese embassy comes up a little later in the warrants that we're about to get into, and and then there's also individuals from you know Hong Kong and China that are seem to be connected to the finders organization which is just just an interesting connection but anyway so 
Yeah, they, they said that they were uh, heading en route to Mexico to establish a school for brilliant children. And um, there is some evidence that they were going to this Jesuit school in Mexico that they had been to prior. And but it has connections to the group and it's it doesn't really seem like a legitimate school. It, it's a very weird scenario. Um. Anyway, so the children were only tentatively identified in, in the initial uh, reports as Mary Houlihan, white female, age seven, Max Livingston, white male, age six, Benjamin, uh, white male, age four, Honeybee Evans, white female, age three, and BB, white male, age two. And then John Paul Houlihan was also, he was a white male, age two. And one of the children initially, and by the way, he was uh, the adopted child of one of the two guys who were arrested. And they never mentioned that. I mean, you would think that it, during, during the arrest, it would at least be mentioned that this is my adopted child, you know, but that was never even brought up at all. And so I just thought that that was a very unusual circumstance as well. But so one of the, the children initially indicated that they lived in tents in a commune in the Washington, D.C. area and were going to Mexico to go to a school for smart kids. And that was that oldest girl. So this office, which was the uh, Tallahassee Police Department, uh contacted the office of the resident agent in, in charge in D.C. and spoke with Special Agent Bob Harold. This agent requested telephone numbers and names of police persons and area departments that might be aware of said activities described by the children and to follow up on the leads, which were the Virginia license number and a check on the men's names with local law enforcement. So a short time later, the office was contacted by Detective Jim Bradley of the Washington, D.C. Metropolitan Police Department. So this is when Bradley indicated that the case in Tallahassee appeared to be strongly related to a case he was currently working in the Washington, D.C. area. He stated that the actions of the two men in custody in Tallahassee relative, uh, relative to children just might give his case enough probable cause for search warrants to search premises occupied by a cult group called the Finders. And so that was the prior investigation into the Finders that was already occurring in Washington at the time under the Metro, you know, Metropolitan Police Department. And I, so I do, I do want to point out, I found it one, once again, this is just a throwaway thing, but it's in D.C., but you know, right. <laughs> no doubt, dude. So, I mean, whatever. I mean, that <laughs> mean absolutely nothing completely happenstance, but it definitely pinged something in my head. <laughs> I'm sure it's coincidental. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so this agent directed Bradley to telephone Tallahassee police department. So this is the customs uh, report document and discuss with police directly any activities forthcoming relative to the instant case. At this time, it was determined that there were no customs violations found to exist, and therefore this case is being closed pending receipt of additional information. Now, this is the day before the warrants, which Detective Bradley and the MPD, he reached out to U.S. Customs Agent Ramon J. Martinez, who had already been included in the investigation because he was a part of the, 
the Child Pornography Protection Unit in the, the U.S. Customs Department. And so it's uh, convoluted clearly because there are so many different agencies involved. But when you're crossing state lines, when you have all of these different allegations, that's just the way it works. <laughs> but so it's um, international too in a minute. So. <laughs> international, man. Yeah, it's it is at just outrageous how how the it seems to be the scope of this is just it's hard to even comprehend to be honest but so after they they uh, um they followed up on the leads which was the virginia license number and to check uh the names with local law enforcement that's when um Bradley indicated that the case was connected to the Washington case. And so <clears throat> that's basically when the actions um, of the two men in Tallahassee relative to the children gave them the probable cause for the search warrants to search the premises, you know, associated with the group. And so after at this time, it was determined that there was no customs violation. So they were trying to close it from the customs perspective. And so then we have the subsequent memorandum, which was attached to the U.S. Customs Report of Investigation written to resident agent in charge and submitted as a memo to file by Special Agent Ramon J. Martinez. And it had a subject line that read, Customs Cooperation, Interest in Tallahassee, Washington, MPD, Child Abuse Investigation. So in the memo, Martinez outlines that on Thursday, February 5th, 1987, the duty agent, Special Agent Bob Harold, received a call from Agent Walter Cretlow, U.S. Customs Service, Tallahassee, Florida. Agent Cretlow was seeking assistance in contacting an appropriate local pol uh, police agency to coordinate a child abuse investigation in with the Tallahassee Police Department. So Special Agent Cretlow further requested assistance in checking some names, addresses, and a vehicle through the Customs Child Pornography Unit database and stated that there was some suspicion of the subjects being involved in supplying children for the production of child pornography. So further, he was informed by the Tallahassee Police Department that the children may have been en route to Mexico from the Washington, D.C. area. So the possibility of Customs interest in the investigation due to possible violations of the Child Protection Act of 1984 and the alleged nexus with the U.S.-Mexican border were discussed and agreed upon. And Agent Cretlow related the following background information. Agent Cretlow was contacted by the Tallahassee Police Department for assistance in identifying six children and two adults taken into custody in the Tallahassee area. U.S. Customs was contacted because the police officers involved suspected the adults of being involved in child pornography and knew the Customs Service to have a network of child pornography investigators that I mentioned and the existence of the Child Pornography and Protection Unit. So Agent Cretlau stated that the two adults were well-dressed white males in suits. They had custody of six white children, boys and girls, ages three to six years old. The children were observed to be poorly dressed, bruised, dirty, and behaving like animals in that in Myers Park in Tallahassee, Florida. The police were notified by a concerned citizen, and all eight persons were taken into custody. The subjects were living out of the blue 1979 Dodge van. 
Virginia license plate. Upon being taken into custody, the adult white males refused to cooperate, one of whom produced a business card with a name on one side and a statement on the other. The statement indicated that the bearer knew his constitutional rights to remain silent and that he intended to do so. Upon interviewing the children, the police officers found that they could not adequately identify themselves or their custodians. Further, they stated they were en route to Mexico to attend a school for smart kids. Agent Cretlow was further advised the children were unaware of the function and purpose of telephones, televisions, and toilets. And they even allegedly had defecated on the floor, right? And um, claimed that they, had, they hadn't eaten anything except for uh, one single orange that morning was what the girl had relayed to the police. And the children had stated they were not allowed to live indoors and were only given food as a reward, right? Which that sounds a lot like MK Ultra techniques, you know, um, dissociative identity disorder type of uh, situation. But after receiving the request from Tallahassee, Agent Harold contacted Special Agent Ramon Martinez while he was on official business at Customs Headquarters. So he requested that Martinez conduct computer checks on the Customs Child Pornography Unit database. The checks were to be conducted on the names, addresses, and a vehicle provided by Agent Cretlow. After conducting the computer checks, Martinez made direct contact with Cre Agent Cretlow to inform him that all the checks were negative. At that time, he was informed by Agent Cretlow that the Tallahassee police had discovered large quantities of records to include computer disks and a U.S. passport in the van. From some of these records, the police had obtained tentative identification of the two adults and partial identification of the children. And furthermore, the two Washington, D.C. addresses had been discovered through these documents, one of which was verified through the vehicle registration. So Martinez advised Cretlow he was leaving headquarters and he would be receiving a response to the rem rem uh, remainder of his request from Agent Harold. He then left, as he stated, and proceeded to conduct other business in the district. And a short time later, around 11.30 a.m., Agent Harold contacted Special Agent Martinez by radio and advised him that this is when Detective Jim Bradley of the Washington Metropolitan Police Department becomes involved because he was interested in the information provided by Cretlow, was in contact with Tallahassee, and would very likely be conducting search warrants in the area later in that day. So he also informed Martinez that U.S. Customs was invited to participate due to the continuing possibility of violations of law enforced by the Customs Service. So. That was a gift from God, basically, because Agent Martinez is our sole source, basically, you know, and, and we have to remember the official narrative is that all of this is not corroborated, you know, even though it seems like other uh, document drops and document dumps have seemingly filled in a few holes, you know, and so it's, of course, nothing is officially corroborated, but... Mm -hmm you know, at least there's some, uh, you know, that you can point to, you know, that, that makes you feel a little more, uh, confident and, mm -hmm. and beyond the detail and, and agent Martinez himself, which really, he does stand out to me as credible, but 
So he was so already – go ahead. Point, I think what you're getting at is he's – nothing technically corroborates him, but there are other documents that seem to fill in holes. Exactly. In, is what it sounds like. Uh, and that's my understanding too from some of the other stuff uh, that we'll get into later. But, yes, he is the – primary source uh, but nothing really corroborates it and then we have other stuff that fills in the holes so right but so and i guess you can still technically say it doesn't corroborate it because we're just pe right. we're piecing together things like exactly. yeah it doesn't corroborate it but this is another thing that adds on to it but yeah sorry go on and um one day when we get to the end of this i have <laughs> i have ted gunderson's um mm -hmm. perspective on this as well and mm -hmm. I thought that was so crazy that Tanya mentioned uh, yep. and because I had heard that uh, interview that she did with him uh, and it was being interrupted. Like <laughs> it was so unusual, you know, but but um, Do you, uh, send I think that to I, me if you can, because I, I actually will. have looked for it. And I couldn't find it. So I will. I, I might how you have found it. But. I might have even used a small portion of of that interview in my early one of my early episodes about it i think i called it the t uh, oklahoma city bombing a tale of two suicides or something but i'll mm -hmm. i'll look for that and i'll send it to you yeah, for sure but yeah. but i would absolutely um i did watch I, that episode listen to that episode but i don't remember the gunderson and i i guess I it might piece the two together so, yeah i'm yeah. not sure i can't remember now but i definitely have it saved still so yeah. I'll, I'll send it to you but that guy's perspective on not only Oklahoma City, but and not only the finders. I mean, his perspective on the Franklin scandal on Jonestown. I mean, it's it, he's very valuable. You know, I, I don't know. Um, I've I never mean, I, really. I, I will say I don't know a ton about him, but I will say it does does freak me out a little bit that he is a former former spook. But agreed, agreed. But I because I, so because I, it is it is so common for them to infiltrate and to, you know, seed in disinfo, you know, and then also for put sure. in some real info that way they, they have some legitimacy. <laughs> so I don't know. He could be legit. I'm not even saying Ted Gunnarsson is, I'm just saying, I'm like, Oh fuck. Like, I, I don't like <laughs> So like, I'm, I don't know. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying, cause he was what, like on the short list to be like the head of the FBI. He oh, was yeah. pretty high up. So like, I mean, Definitely. that does, that does, that does ring a, a few alarms, but I, I don't know. I could be totally wrong. It also could be some sort of mix, you know, to one of those things where like they still have right. contacts. And then so people, uh, you know, take a, take a lot of run with that. Uh, you know, Definitely. so I don't know. I'm not even saying he is. I'm just saying that, uh, that, that does make me, it, and it would be one of those sources that I'm like, I almost want something else that kind of corroborates this. Uh, I agree. So, but but I also haven't dug into Gunderson enough to really know. So I don't know. I know. Tony I, says he's great. So I, I don't know. <laughs> I, that's what I was like when she said that about him, like, and personally at least vouched that, that he was mm -hmm. a, a stand-up guy and at least to her was, was kind yeah. and everything. That at least made me feel a little better, but but I do agree with you. Yeah, like, you're the you, same thoughts. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. You have to be, uh, you have to remain skeptical. You can't, you can't officially, you know, um, uh, uh, rely on on that alone or anything like that. But but I do find it interesting that he has such hot takes on all of mm -hmm. those those um, just man. Each one of those are extraordinary stories right and so but i mean hot hot takes but nowadays you're like man not that hot so i guess no, i could under, yeah. i could understand why maybe people of the day would be concerned he was a glowy because like look at all the crazy stuff he's saying but nowadays i look at it and go okay well i don't know there's 
stuff to back that up. So definitely, <laughs> or at least other similar stories that are, are very, you know, match up with stuff like that. Some of the crazy exactly. stuff he said. So no, no, I agree. I'm trying to, um, I was trying to remember the, uh, dang it. I always, anyway, the guy that, uh, was a uh, part of the JFK administration and, um, was supposed to be kind of in charge of security at the time and had been, uh, uh, I can't remember his name right now, but he's he's another one that is very like you would love to rely on on what he says often, but you can't quite be certain of it because of who the source is. Right. But yeah. And, and I'm sure I don't I mean, I like I said, I haven't dug deep into Ted Garson. I know from this one, there was some stuff he said that it was like he doesn't technically have anything to back it up. It's more or less just kind of like a sources say type thing. So you kind of right. have to take his word for it. So, I mean. Uh, I mean, that's not something I'm going to take immediately, but I will definitely, right. it's something that I will take under consideration. That's for sure. Definitely. Uh, you know, so no especially when it's like, it matches up with what seems to fit, uh, but I would never no. offer that up as a confirmation. So, exactly. Yeah. No doubt. But I do love, uh, at least, uh, using it as another potential confirmation, you know, that, mm -hmm this is a plausible narrative, at least plausible enough. But so, like I said, he's Jim Bradley's the MPD officer. He's attempting to carry out these warrants on the finders um, properties in DC, which included a warehouse as well as um, a two W street apartments. Right. And so, like I said, U.S. Customs had been invited to participate, so Agent Martinez was already in Washington, and he terminated his other business and proceeded to make contact with Detective Bradley. Intelligence, by the way, Bradley was a part of the intelligence division of the MPD, and um, upon contacting Detective Bradley, Martinez learned that he had initiated an investigation on the two addresses provided by the Tallahassee Police Department during December of 90, uh, 1986. An informant had given him information regarding a cult known as the Finders, operating various businesses out of a warehouse located at 1307 Northeast 4th Street, and were supposed to be housing children in apartments located at 3918 and 3920 Northwest W Street. The information was specific in describing blood rituals and sexual orgies involving children and an as yet unsolved murder in which the finders may be involved. I even uh, um, read something about Hunter Patch Adams. The, mm. the, so I never watched the, the Patch Adams movie with Ro Robin Williams in like 98. I, I heard that. Yeah. I was like, I think that's Patch Adams, that movie, but okay, go ahead. Exactly <laughs> what it is. So it's based on a real guy named Hunter Patch Adams. And he like, he was uh, a medical examiner that that basically he was a doctor that used the arts to uh, he believed in laughter therapy and all this, which, you know, say what you want about that. But he, he was like using clowning as a medical approach. Right. And had and the, it's crazy. Apparently the movie right he's and uh he, he goes to this children's hospital and he puts on a clown nose and he's this really likable guy that just w really cares about children and he gets banned from the hospital for some reason and uh it turns out that hunter patch adams 
was directly connected to the head of the finders cult, Marion Petty. And he was even in one of, he was apparently in the inner circle of the finders known as the Zanies. That was it, the Zanies, which mm. I just thought that's a very interesting connection because the Gesundheit Institute, which Hunter Patch Adams founded, he, he went to Marion Petty for the, the funding of the Gesundheit Institute, which is a children's hospital. Mm -hmm. And he has this and his whole like methods, uh, they they rose to prominence throughout the 80s when he this all started when he was in this. He was in Russia during the 80s doing this clowning medical therapy. And so it's just a very unusual connection that I thought I might mention as an aside briefly. So <laughs> that's weird. I'm going to have to tell Top Lobster because I know he's a. Uh he's really into the like Nephilim stuff and like the clown stuff and all that. So I'm like I'm telling you, buddy, I mean, I'm not clowns are scary <laughs> enough, right? We don't need pedophile clowns, you know, like, that's, <laughs> absolutely that's not. Weird. Is, is, were you, are you, were you alluding to that? So that murder was related to that or because I, I, don't I know, haven't dug I, into it, but it's, yeah. it, it's possible because because I don't know if you remember that movie, like his, like the girl, he, the, the, in the movie, the love interest, gets killed you know spoiler alert for a movie that's like what 20 30 years old uh, right. but like you know his his love interest gets killed by one of like <laughs> the people he was supposedly trying to help that was like mentally ill uh and so he like she he, she gets murdered by him so I'm i like, gotta watch this now i haven't i, I don't know how much that's based on truth so <laughs> i don't know if there was actually a person who died maybe that's their way of kind of be like oh oh, oh, oh no this person oh that was a sad God. story but it's like maybe that's finders cult related but i whatever. would not be surprised at yeah. all but he yeah. he completely tries to you know and he even um talked to certain journalists at least a, a few different interviews and he tried to defend marion petty and the finders uh you know it's it's a weird statement that he makes too but you know it's it's like he's not god and he's not the devil but it's it's a very unusual situation but i'll tell you one thing just looking at his picture he strikes me as a very jimmy savile type mm -hmm. eccentric right where it's like there's a lot more there most definitely and the last thing i would want is for that person to be around children <laughs> yeah. that's what it looks like but anyway so with the information provided by the informant to the MPD, Detective Bradley was able to match some of the children in Tallahassee with names of children known to be in the custody of the finders. Furthermore, Bradley was able to match the tentative ID of the adults with known members of the finders. And that's custom. Uh, so Customs Agent Martinez stood by while Bradley consulted with Assistant United States Attorney Harry Benner and obtained search warrants for the two premises. Martinez advised acting as res resident agent in charge, Tim Holleran, of his intention to accompany MPD on the execution of the warrants, received his permission, and was joined by Agent Harold. So Agent Harold accompanied the team, which went to 1307 4th Street, which was the warehouse, and Martinez went to the W Street Apartments. So. During the execution of the warrant at the W Street Apartments, he was able to observe and access the entire building. This is when it gets insane and like really kind of disturbing, man. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and so Agent Martinez saw large quantities of children's clothing and toys. 
the clothing consisting of diapers and clothes in the toddler to preschool range. No children were found on the premises. There were several subjects on the premises. Only one was deemed to be connected with the finders. The rest were renting living space from this individual. He was identified as Stuart Miles Silverstone. They provided his passport number and, and uh, apparently he was located in a room equipped with several computers, printers, and numerous documents. This is so crazy. I, I just imagined like, because what you see, the, the documents that uh, were on the, the, that were surrounding him on this desk and then were also what they could find in the computer, it basically, it seemed like one, he was perfectly prepared and expected their arrival, right? And two, he had been communicating with the individuals who had been arrested prior to their arrest. And there had seemingly been another computer in the area that was also being communicated with at the time, which I'll get into that in a moment, because it's just like it's more than we thought it was, of course. Right. So <clears throat> and like I said, this the room that he was located in was he was sitting. He was sitting at the computer. <laughs> it looked like maybe trying to to uh, make whatever documents they needed to disappear, disappear in, in time. But also he's sitting with several computers, printers and numerous documents. And you have to imagine this is 87. The fact that they're using TR, uh, TSR 80 computers in the first place is pretty high tech for just, you know, an average I guess they're a cult, but, you know, just a group of uh, of individuals attempting to live by an alternative lifestyle community or something. And they're a bunch of hippies. Right. That's the, the whole notion. And so cursory examination of the documents revealed detailed instructions for obtaining children for unspecified purposes. The instructions included the impregnation of female members of the community known as finders purchasing children, trading, and kidnapping. There were telex messages using MCI account numbers between a computer terminal believed to be located in the same room and others located across the country and even in foreign locations. One such telex specifically ordered the purchase of two children in Hong Kong to be arranged through a contact in the Chinese embassy there. Another telex expressed an interest in bank secrecy situations. So just, just having that evidence alone, that's huge. It's damning. It's, it's, that's just was one of the most disturbing thing part, you know, as far as like, and then it it gets even worse than that because it seems like they were even like promoting themselves as babysitters and and it's it's absurd, brother. <laughs> so yeah. other documents identified interests in high tech transfers to the UK, numerous properties under the control of the finders, a keen interest in terrorism, explosives, and the evasion of law enforcement. Also found in the computer room was a detailed summary of the events surrounding the arrest and taking into custody of the two adults and six children in Tallahassee, Florida on the previous night. That part alone, I was, oh man, like, <laughs> so 
There were also a set of instructions which appeared to be broadcast via a computer network which advised participants to move the children and keep them moving through different jurisdictions and instructions on how to avoid police attention. Yeah, so I, I, I just wanted to point out uh, from the moment that customs or the customs, uh, uh, maybe it wasn't custom, but the, their, their, their child, uh, you know, whatever services, protection, whatever, unit, yeah. protection unit, whatever the fuck like that. As soon as I brought up, I immediately was like, I'm a little suspicious of them because uh, I mean, those are, it's always the, 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 it seems like the, when, especially on a federal level, when you're dealing with, uh, you know, borderline Intel, you know, like that, those type of units is like, there's, there's always, I'm joking me wrong. Once again, white hat, black hat type thing. I'm sure right. the honestly, probably even in that group, the majority of them are probably great, but there are, I, you'd be out of your mind if you were some sort of Intel operation of some sort and you didn't have inform or, or assets or straight up agents right. of some sort within those, those things, or at least be monitoring, monitoring them. Like, exactly. so, you know, <laughs> of course. Yeah. No, that that's plausible to me. You know, I mean, that's exactly what I believe, mm -hmm. but so interestingly enough, according to a Tallahassee police report, the lead investigator, Officer Rick Huffman, he, and this is why I mentioned there seemed to be another computer in the area, because he believed that there had been a second van in that area at the time after a part-time TPD, Tallahassee Police Department employee, who was also a student at Florida State, found a second TRS-80 computer in a phone booth on the Florida State University campus the evening of Feb February 5th, the day after the arrest had taken place. The computer was turned into the Tallahassee Police Department the very next day, and according to the TPD, the computer was found to contain information regarding Tallahassee Police Department investigators, the investigators that were assigned to the case as well as a message from Finders member Stuart Silverstone, who was the man that they saw and found at the computer desk in Washington. And TPD de determined that the computer's owner was undoubtedly a member of the Finders, right? <laughs> but do you want, I mean, we're, we have quite a bit left, clearly. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So, and I it's like, an hour and one minute. What do you, what do you think? I, I, I wanted to, I, the kind of, I wanted to get into some of the sat satanic stuff and I think we're right on the verge of it. If we're getting close. <laughs> so I, I wanted to get into that and I, that's where I wanted to leave the cliffing. Okay. Sounds uh, so good. I, I, and then I wanted to get like next episode, kind of get into the spook connections. And that's the, I, th I think that's, that's what I end on. Breakdown. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, yeah, the, that's the, part one, part two, part three is the way I see it. So I that, think that would I think be it's perfect. a great. So yeah, I'd, I'd like to. So I mean, wherever you need to do to get us to the satanics, because <laughs> I think that is a that is a conversation starter. So we'll, awesome. We'll, yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> during the execution of the warrants on the finders' properties in D.C., according to the customs report, one of the residents was identified as the Chinese as a Chinese national due to the telex discovered referencing the Chinese embassy in Hong Kong. He was fully identified for future reference, and um, apparently he was in the U.S. as a graduate student in the, uh, the anatomy department of Georgetown University, which, by the way, I have to say, Georgetown University comes up 
all over this case. And we know that the CIA, I mean, they they use Georgetown University just in general, and it's on record as an MKUltra facility mm-hmm. utilized in Project MKUltra. So to me, Which is and that makes a lot of cult sense. research. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and there's so many different people tied. Even Marion Petty was tied to Georgetown and, mm-hmm. and he's the alleged founder. So but so this guy was fully identified for future reference and they they tracked his where he got his passport and and all of that. And uh, and so anyway, during the course of the evening, Agent Martinez contacted Sector 4 to initiate a text check on Silverstone and initiate an archive check on him for the last four years. He also contacted Agent Holleran to keep him advised of the proceedings and asked for and received permission to contact Agent Sullivan of the Child Pornography Protection Unit to query some names through the CPPU database. So Agent Holleran told Martinez, He would call Southeast Region Headquarters to keep them posted on the proceedings as well. Agent Martinez later contacted Agent Sullivan for the stated purpose, and in the discussion that followed, he gave him some background on the purpose of the request. He advised him that the information was not for dissemination at headquarters, that Region was being notified, and that Region would probably contact headquarters later if deemed necessary. Agent Sullivan assured him that the information would go no further until official notifications was made by region. No positive matches were obtained from the CPPU database, like I mentioned before. But Agent Martinez, he was later joined at the W Street Apartments by Agent Harold, who advised him that there were extremely large quantities of documents and computer equipment at the warehouse and that MPD was posting officers inside the building there and sealing the building until morning, in which a second warrant for that premises would be obtained and executed. Agent Harold also advised Martinez that the news media had been notified and had been waiting for the execution of the warrant at the 4th Street address. So Detective Bradley later stated that the MPD public information officer had been contacted by a Tallahassee reporter When it became apparent the PIO, the public information officer, had no information on the search warrants, the reporter contacted local media representatives and and, and a check of public records containing the affidavits for the search warrants disclosed the locations and purpose of the warrants. So that's technically supposedly how the media uh, uh, obtained the, the actual address. But Detective Bradley surmised that someone on the Tallahassee Police Department was actually the original source of information to the press. And like I said earlier, it seemed like TPD was pissed and that that were that a few police investigators in TPD in Tallahassee, they really meant well. You know what I mean? And so but anyway, I think that's why the TPD report was technically unredacted to begin with, you know, and they try to get it out, you know. So anyway, um, so Agent Harold, he advised that, you know, the news media, that's how they were notified. So Special Agent Martinez advised Agent Holleran of the involvement of the press, and he stated that he would in turn relay the information to Region. Agent Martinez and Special Agent Harold assisted in the transport of the evidence seized pursuant to the warrant and cleared MPD after the press left the area. So now this is when we get into the evidence that they 
found in the warrants the next day. So on Friday, February 6, 1987, Agent Martinez met Detective Bradley at the warehouse on Northeast 4th Street. Martinez duly advised his acting group supervisor, Special Agent Don Bloodworth. He was again granted unlimited access, unlimited access to the premises. He was able to observe numerous documents which described explicit sexual conduct between the members of the community known as finders. He also saw a large collection of photographs of unidentified persons. Some of the photographs were nudes, believed to be of members of finders. There were numerous photos of children, some nude, at least one of which was a photo of a child on display and appearing to accent the child's genitals. Agent Martinez was only able to examine a very small amount of the photos at this time. However, one of the officers presented him with a photo album for his review. This is the... <laughs> so the album was entitled The Execution of Henrietta and Igor. Okay? So keep that in mind for when they claim that this is some, you know, some... some type of class for animal husbandry for the children that are only two years old to six years old, you know, probably trying to make it out like they're doing training them how to, you know, properly slaughter and butcher and whatever animals. Yeah. You know. Training the, yeah. the yeah. vegan yeah. children. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Who only eat fruit as a reward yeah. on how, yeah, it's, it's insane. But, and then to label it the execution of Henrietta and Igor. Like, wouldn't you label it the animal, animal husbandry, you know, yeah. uh, operation or something? I mean, and by the way, everything that was labeled in the meat, warehouse. Meat processing or something like something. that. Something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and all the different files and documents labeled in the warehouse were labeled as operations. Mm. A little unusual for a, <laughs> for a hippie alternative lifestyle community, right? A little, little on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, this photo album, it contained a series of photos of adults and children dressed in white robes participating in a blood ritual. The ritual centered around the execution of at least two goats. The photos portray portrayed the execution, disembowelment, skinning, and dismemberment of the goats at the hands of the children. This included the removal of the testes of a male goat, the discovery of a female goat's womb and the baby goats inside the womb, and the presentation of a goat's head to one of the children. Further inspection of the premises disclosed numerous files relating to activities of the organization in different parts of the world. Locations Martinez observed were London, Germany, the Bahamas, Japan, Hong Kong, Malaysia, Africa, Costa Rica, and Europe. There was also a file identified as Palestinian. I just... Man, why wouldn't there be? You know, yeah, like <laughs> not gonna lie. I mean, maybe yeah. I'm a little bit of an anti-Semite deep down inside, but as, her, as soon as I heard Silverstone, I went, 
I wonder what that used to be. <laughs> <laughs> right? No doubt, brother. You used to be a Silverstein a few years yeah. back. <laughs> I, I would not be surprised. I mean, whatever. I mean, call me a semi, but we know Epstein. We we're we're right. there seems like Mossad connections. Like exactly. I mean, at the very least, Jelaine, her her daddy. Like, let's be real. Like he was like at least a double agent. Yeah, something like what I hear. Like, <laughs> his name was completely changed when, like his his history, that that made me think because honestly, it felt like he used his children for the business, you know. And uh, so I won't get into it, but yeah, Robert Maxwell, that's a big yeah. smoking gun for that entire network. To be honest, yeah. I mean, he helped procure weapons. Right. I mean, it, he was a part of the honey trap operation on Mordecai Venunu, mm -hmm. who exposed Israel's nuclear weapons program. I mean, it's totally crazy, but that that is what is happening. <laughs> and people yeah. are still voting. Can you believe this? Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest, though, if this and I do think this was some sort of Fed operation and yeah. with the scope of it, I wouldn't I would be surprised if there wasn't you know, Mossad connections. Me so, too. Well, yeah. not even that. Like, it sounds like more than just that. Like, if I, I had agree. to guess. So, like, I, 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 I doubt the CIA would be operating in all these other different countries without, I mean, not obviously, I'm not saying everyone within the other intel agencies of other countries knew of mm -hmm. every single one, but, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at least some of the more key ones if certain right. certain people were aware or in, in the in the take. Uh, so, you know. I mean, the overlapping connections from... I mean, you see just the way the Franklin scandal was set up and just the way, like, Craig Spence and the Confessions of a D.C. Madam, like, he, he had a, a home in D.C., like, four miles, by the way, from these properties, the finders, Okay. And and it was completely rigged with audiovisual blackmail, just like Epstein's home. I mm. mean, what are you doing? I mean, <laughs> you're an intelligence operative, man. You know, yeah. at least an asset running a honey trap operation. At least I don't see another explanation there. Right. Yeah, and I, be I believe with this warrant, this is the one where they found also jars of piss and poop. Yeah. Right. In, so, in an indoctrination center, it looked like. Yes. Yeah. And it looked like they had a shrine set up as well. And and these jars of piss and shit were all surrounding it. It And I, so. Yeah. And we and talked that's a, before that. Yeah. I, the more I think about this, the more it's like, this sounds just like Crowley, like Crowley it stuff. Does. I forget what, what Thelema or whatever the hell he was doing. Yeah. I forget the name of his shit, but like. And I, even I, Helena Blavatsky. You yeah. know, I mean, she's along the same lines as, as Crowley, in my opinion, you know. Is she the theosophy chick? Yeah, yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 okay. Yep. Yeah, no, but I mean, the Crowley's the only one I really, like, sort of dug into, so it's like, and I've forgotten more than I, you know, I've forgotten I'm, most of the stuff, but like, I'm there that with sounds you. like between the between all the depraved stuff, the orgies, like, because, I, I mean, I forget the exact philosophy, but the whole idea was to, like, try to, like, essentially do the most depraved thing, essentially. Yeah. And, like, this... Order out of chaos. Yeah, yeah. it was, like, the... And, like, when I say that, I mean, like, the most. And so that's why when I say the, the piss and the poop is what, like, really was, like, the... Oh, that's what really keyed me off, because, I mean, there are stories of him eating, like, 
I think it was like goat shit or something or like it, it was just all sorts of like the most disgust like I'm, like you hear the stories and like I already just almost gagged like just just yeah. thinking about the stuff that they would do and then all the depraved sexual acts and I, and I know like on record I think they say supposedly nothing ever happened with kids or and probably no and supposedly no murders or whatever I mean I mean I don't know I mean, whether the murders or not but I would be especially when you look into like the Crowley stuff like at the very least there were kids there like there oh, were yeah. children around and at the very yeah. least we can say like they shouldn't be around that now the idea that they weren't in i mean maybe they weren't involved but i mean i i don't know if the whole idea is to do the most depraved things you right. know like what why wouldn't they if that's the objective exactly. so and this seems like almost like a mirror i'm actually i haven't scheduled yet but i want to i'm here soon i'm probably going to start I'm going to have someone on uh, and probably dig into that because that's been something that's been kind of interesting me lately, like the cult aspects and how these ideas yeah. travel between like Crowley to like Finder's Cult to, I don't know, Vatican to all the, all the, other, the more, the, some of the weird stuff going on with like the Mormon church and stuff, or yeah. at least the dark sides of it. Uh, you know, they've kind of spro- I mean, sp- split into different sects and stuff. So uh, even it's just, yeah. Even Hitler was like super into theof- theosophy and the occult, and like that he loved Helena Blavatsky's work. You know, I mean, like it, it it's in the the I forget the name of the foundation that uh, Marion Petty founded. It was called. He was the founding member of the World Futurist Society, and basically, they're very in line with that philosophy of the humanist philosophy right there basically is transhumanism and you know and a form of eugenics to be honest you know and there's more to it clearly you know it's definitely there's religion you know uh they have like religious beliefs attached but it's it's just uh you know there's too many overlapping connections when it comes to those ideological perspectives and and I don't, you know, they are all swimming in the same circles. That's yeah. what I find to be most extraordinary about it, you know, yeah. because that the members of the World Futurist Society are like they range the spectrum of 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 basically people who have driven the counterculture, you know, and and even it and implemented a lot of science fiction uh, concepts in pop culture. I mean it. We're, you know, I think we're being led in a specific strategic direction, you know? But. Yeah. And I, the, the more I think about those and how they connect and like, especially like when, when, since I've dug into like some of the Crowley stuff and it, I think there's almost like a, the idea of like how it works from bottom up and then how it works from top, top down. And, and I think it also has multiple uses. I, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm still kind of on the edge here and what I think here. Cause I mean, I, I've always kind of come from more of like a skeptic, like, and like kind of, so I kind of have a hard time believing that these like high up people, these ages, they believe this stuff. But now as I've dug more into this, I've started to believe there is a section of actual belief in there, but with a secondary or primary, uh, usage of these two. Cause obviously if you're in some group, that's like, we'll do the most depraved things. And that's the whole point here. It's like, okay, well those depraved things can be used against you. So, right. you know, now you're, you're, now you're in the click and you can't leave, uh, or at the very least you won't say shit about us. Um, so <laughs> yeah. I, I think there's something to that, like how this manifests, you know, from bottom up and how this manifests from top down. Uh, cause I, I think a lot of people don't think about both those when it comes to any sort of conspiracy that there is a 
bottom up. There's a top down view of it as well. Uh, you right. know, because there, there is like the bottom up emergence to where it just kind of like, you know, somewhat organically to some extent forms. But I yeah. think it's a mixture of the two. It's almost like these entities latch on to these um, what's what, like ideas or, you know, what's the, the idea with like a, a, the spirit of an idea. You know, I forget what those are called, the uh, aggregore almost <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, you know, like they, they latch on to that and then kind of create their own philosophy and put it on it and then kind of, you know, ride that wave. Because uh, I think in the first episode, I think we were kind of talking about uh, maybe this is another maybe I'm confusing this another conversation. We were kind of talking about how some of these cults. It's like why is it, like this almost feels like bullshit, and that's because it is. But I think there is also an element of tr- of truth, and by right. by that I mean like there are true believers, and that to some oh, extent yeah. this is organic. So I am like interested in the organic component. So like you know when it say modern day like the spirit cooking like what do right. these people think what are they doing exactly like, I mean, don't get me wrong I'm sure uh, you know whether it's the primary objective or secondary there is also like the, this is a useful thing you know this is how you control yeah, people this is how you but I mean at the same time these these you know big powerful people uh, these groups coming together. I think there might be an element of, you know, some belief and, you know, maybe you want to get into the mystical. Maybe there is a mystical there. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm more of a skeptical guy myself, so I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I think that um, they clearly, there's uh, some kind of radical religious belief system that's that's attached to to these esoteric ideas I, I i mean it seems that way because like you're saying why else i i, I mean like, don't get me wrong, are, like i said the secondary primary like there is a you can you can understand this without having attached the woo-woo and like oh because it's a great control mechanism but right. it's just like so beyond the pale that it like right. there has to be something sorry to make off no you're good yeah i just there, there's not really a, there's not a good enough explanation other than they, there is, you know, real belief to back up these, these ideologies, because, you know, it does seem like it's not only to honey trap, it's not only to, it's not, it's certainly not art, you know, and they admit that in you know in many different circumstances as far as you know i can tell so it's it seems like there is a real occult religion mm-hmm. that maybe it's old pagan belief systems that have been evolved into this new age religion of some kind that you know what maybe we just don't have <laughs> Uh, a, uh, you know, any type of connection to or understanding because you have to be, uh, I'm sure it's, it's a, a secret society of some kind. Right. Yeah. And kind of like that's another thing when, where now we know about what Lord Zenu or whatever, but, right. you know, back in the day, until you've gotten to clear level 300 or whatever the hell yeah. you, you didn't, you didn't learn about Lord that <laughs> for real. And, and with this, with the finders, like it makes it easy on me because it feels like it does at least because it, it seems so closely related and tied to the intelligence community. It seems like a way to again, divert the counterculture again, uh, muddy the alternative lifestyle community and the hippies as well as use it as a, a cover. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it, it never seems there's 
one single objective ever. Mm -hmm. It seems yeah. like, yeah, that there's layers to, to, you know, their goals. And so nothing is ever only achieving a singular, you know, objective in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And um, whether it starts out that way or it's, you know, ba basically they have to, um, um, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They, they basically have to, uh, redirect, you know, um, and it just really doesn't seem like the occult or especially spirit cooking and things like are involved with the Podestas and Marina Abramovich and all of that, like Aleister Crowley, like they have actual religions and secret societies attached to their religion. And there has to be credibility and legitimacy there and belief, you know, devout yes. belief as far as the individuals who are engaging in that. Um, why else? And, and there has to be some type of of real effect that a blood ritual, whether, you know, I, I don't I have no idea, you know, but why else are they doing them? Because it's it's not art. You know what I'm yeah. saying? As far as I can tell. Yeah. And it but, can be simple. If I remember correctly. God, I forget. There was like two types of magic that, that when it came to Crowley, there was like the what some people believe in, like literal magic. And then there was what Crowley believed in, like magic in the sense that like when you believe it, like your man, like react, like belief is reality type. Deal. Right, like, right. So if you have enough people believe it and so the power is in the belief. So I can understand how that could be a religion in and of itself. And so right. you get all these powerful people and like in the belief, there is power in the belief. And because of the belief, you know, you're creating a community of like-minded people that are, you know, you're cementing this power. Uh, and, but I mean, I feel like there's gotta be a little bit more to that because that seems too superficial, but I mean, I don't, but, but that in and of itself, like a religion of power in right. a sense, you know? So like, we, like you're worshiping Moloch or whatever the hell. And as a reward, as a, as a, you know, what you get from your God is power. So, right. and that, that makes sense to me. Uh, but it I does. feel like there might be more to it, but I think it's a good place to end it. Uh, we went longer than we want to, uh, than I wanted to, but we're, I'm fine with it. Uh, I, I couldn't stop talking. Uh, the, the, once again, sign of a good conversation, but let people know where they can find you again. And we'll do this again. And next episode, we'll get more into the fed connections, Although awesome. the, uh, the, the watchful eye can already see them, but we're going to get a little more explicit in the next one. <laughs> All right, man. So it's the podcast, the underclass podcast. You can follow me, uh, on Twitter at underclass pod and I'm on Instagram at the underclass podcast. So that's basically it. Awesome. Looking for this next one. Uh, this is no way Jose show. You find me on YouTube, all the major audio podcatchers, Odyssey and rumble as well. Uh, this episode, I'm putting it up on YouTube. The last one I put up on YouTube, I'm surprised it didn't get taken down. This one I feel like got a little bit more spicy, so it might get taken down. So I would suggest, once again, subscribe to Rumble, follow me on Rumble, because uh, that's where you'll get all of my stuff. And, uh, you know, if it gets taken down off YouTube, if I get another strike, that means I'll be kicked off. I won't be on YouTube for like another month again, because I'm at the point now where, like, if I get a single strike, like, your tech, like, how it works if you get a strike. You have seven days you can't you can't post. You have like a week you can't post, and I think it's like thirty days you're under the microscope, and then after thirty days your thing expires. But I'm just not even going to risk losing my channel, especially since I have Rumble and I have you know 
I get more views and downloads off of, you know, between the audio and the rumble and all that anyway. So like, why would I risk my YouTube for no reason? Uh, but whatever. Uh, but point being is, you know, help me make my YouTube more obsolete. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, but it's, it's an avenue that's there for now. So I'm going to keep using it, but cause I get it. A lot of people are still stuck on main street, but yeah, definitely check me out. Follow me on tower gang. Jose, if you want to support my work, patreon.com, just no way Jose 2020, a lot of big stuff in the works soon. Uh, like, share, subscribe, comment out the good stuff. Uh, and that we are out.